don't belong in my world, Bella. I belong with you. This is the last time you'll ever see me. Please just promise me you won't do anything reckless. The absence of him is everywhere I look. It's like a huge hole has been punched through my chest. I know what he did to you, but Bella, I would never, ever do that. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of our podcast, Remember the Ots. I'm Courtney. And I am Tom. And here we talk about everything from the 2000s, from bucket caps to tinted sunglasses. Oh, tinted sunglasses. When, yeah. did, when did the Kanye glasses come out where they had the shades in them? Ooh, oh my god, we were definitely in high school, but I think it was like the later half. Like, I think it might have been like 2008, 2009. So did that count? Would that count for 2009? Totally. All right, from Kanye's weird shade glasses that I think became prominent for like two years in the 2010s with like mm-hmm. Party Rock and everything, and then nobody, yeah. nobody cared after that. It was like Party Rock and 303. Yep. yep. To the aviators that the front man for Avenged Sevenfold wears because that was also a thing. That's right. I feel like aviators were like the alternative. Alpha male glasses. Yeah, totally. And then Ray-Bans also kind of like came later with the stunner shades. But I think like in 2009, everyone had like the cheap versions of Ray-Bans. Yeah, I also had cheap aviators. (laughs) Nice. I I loved the Ray-Bans. They're way better. I could never buy, like, a true, truly, like, expensive pair of Ray-Bans because that just seems ridiculous to Nobody me. Nobody can. I'm, Nobody I should. <laughs> yeah. I lose sunglasses way too often to buy anything more than 20 bucks. Yeah, I bought a pair of, like, $20 Betsy Johnson sunglasses once, and then I literally lost them in the ocean in Mexico, and then I felt so bad for, oh, no. like, losing them in the water that I was like, we're never going to do this again. Only like $5 sunglasses at a kiosk in the city from now That's, on. I The way my pattern is, whenever I don't buy sunglasses until I need them. So yeah. if I go on a trip, I buy them there for like 15 bucks. Joe is like that too. Like we'll be on the road, we'll be in a road trip, and then he'll be like, I have no sunglasses. And then he'll buy like a $15 pair wherever we stop. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's, because the thing is, I don't really use them. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if it's necessary. But I think some people will be like, oh, if you buy really high quality glasses, you never need them. It's like, yeah, but I'm going to lose them. No, that's not true. Like Tiffany's sells sunglasses. Nobody needs Tiffany sunglasses. Maybe Tiffany. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> that was it's a her bad daughter's joke. business. That She's was, Tiffany. <laughs> I'm so bad. At the, that was an awful joke. I'm so sorry to no, everybody. No, no. Don't be sorry, because they make that joke in the office, and it's my favorite monologue of the entire show. (laughs) I forgot What's my perfect crime? I break into Tiffany's. Do I go for the jewelry? No, I go for the chandelier. It's priceless. And then someone's there. She tells me to stop. It's her business. She's Tiffany. (laughs) (laughs) Or it's her father's business. She's Tiffany. We make love all night. I tell her to meet me in Germany. I go to Poland or something like that. It's, it's my favorite. So it's a fine joke to make. It, all right. I appreciate it. Thank it you. brings me to my favorite monologue. So when we're yes. talking about insanity. Yes. We're on episode two of our 
Twilight Christmas series saga. Saga Christmas series? Christmas with the Twilights. You better hold on tight, spider monkey. I don't really like the rain. Doesn't he own a shirt? Oh, holy Twilight. The Cullen family, the vampires, the big fluffy wolves. It's all here, guys. We're here now. Mm-hmm. We're in it. And also, this movie could easily be a good plug for staying at home and, and staying in quarantine. Yeah. Because basically that's what you watch Bella do the entire time. Yeah, there was weird montages of her doing nothing for yeah. months. <laughs> I mean... It's, it's just like the, the camera rotates and then it's supposed to be a month passes and then another month passes, but like literally nothing moves in her home. You know what's funny is that that shot kind of beautifully represents this movie because we're coming off of the first Twilight, which I mm -hmm. wanted to give an appropriate credit. Mm -hmm. The first Twilight was directed by Catherine Hardwick. Is that how we say her name? Catherine Hardwick. Catherine Hardwick. She mm -hmm. did the movie 13. Mm -hmm. She's done a couple other things. Lords of Dogtown, which I did like that movie. I mean, it's been forever since I like, I've seen it. Yeah, I like Lords of Dogtown too. Yeah. And you knew something a little bit, because I didn't realize this, but when I said she did 13, you caught something I did not catch. Right. I realized that that's probably why Nikki Reed is in the Twilight series, because she and Nikki Reed together wrote the script for 13. Yeah. And Nikki Reed stars in 13. And the script is inspired by Nikki Reed's journals, growing up as a teenager. Um, also, I just remembered that that movie kind of has a blue wash over it. So that explains why Twilight also has that blue wash over it. Yeah, and that blue wash does not carry over. It does not carry over into New Moon. Right, they sort of go exactly against it by the movie starting with that weird dream. And then they just show you the bright orange truck going down the highway. Yes. And they make it abundantly clear. No more blue wash. Not, no more blue wash. But like you said with that scene where we have the circular camera motion around Bella, mm -hmm. that scene to me, thinking about it now, really represents this movie because the production value is higher. Mm -hmm. the, the, the shots, the cinematography, pretty good. Like it's actually a comp, like it looks like a pretty good, well shot movie. Mm -hmm. But the content that we're working with is the most melodramatic. I know. Boring. That, that's its so biggest crime is that it's boring nonsensical non-story ever and the dialogue is atrocious it's so bad like i was polite and nice to twilight i was mm -hmm. i was a champion for it i was like hey it's you bad were... but it's fun nothing about new moon is entertaining except for like i will be honest i kind of like the Volteri scene the the bougie vampires right right and the dialogue's still not great, but at least, like, Michael Sheen can ham it up, and, like, I'm buying it. Like, I love this stupid vampire shit. Like, I love it. I love it. I love it. But the problem is, like, there's this intensity and this rawness, and the score is pretty good. Like, the, the score... score is honestly, like, another character in this movie, because yeah. otherwise, like, what is keeping us from turning off the TV screen? Or the yeah. laptop, in my case. And then, like, even the soundtrack, like, some of the... the this is a everything works except for the story 
Right. And it's so bad that it makes it unbearable. Like I remember I tried watching this with my friend Claude. We were hanging out, COVID friendly, you know, safe, everything like that. And we're just like, we're mm-hmm. gonna watch New Moon. It's gonna be romantic. It's gonna be amazing. And we were like expecting like a fun goof and a gaff. And I remember like 20 minutes in, we're like, we can't do this. No, it's so hard to get through. There's nothing funny. There's nothing entertaining. It's just dry. It's boring. And it's, there's no, like the first Twilight, at least like this has the same problem where in the first Twilight, the plot doesn't happen until like the very end. Mm -hmm. But at least in the first Twilight, there's just like, I don't know what it is. If it's, you know, an incompetent script I don't want to say incompetent directing, but like just everything was so funny that you could enjoy it till you get to the plot. And New Moon, it's the, I guess the extra polish takes away any enjoyment. And it's just like, oh my God, why is this happening? Like literally the, the production behind the camera rotating about Bella is impressive, but it's like, yeah, but what are we looking at? A girl sitting there for four months? Right. Well, I was going to say, I think that, like, I'm glad you mentioned Catherine Hardwick because we have to give her some credit because she's the first director to take this series and turn it into something. And that, like, you know, she's the dog that gets shot into space. She's Laika. She's taking a chance. She's creating this world. And then, you know, any faults they can easily just be like, well, that's the last time we're going to have a female director do this movie. And then the rest of the movies are directed by men. Yeah. So I, I think no matter what, she was in a place, like she was in a position position that she was going to be chastised for. Yeah, which is a shame because like, she, yeah. I don't even think it's the directing that's incompetent. She brings something. She brings a flavor to the first movie. That's at least enjoyable. Like, And she has the least amount of budget. Yeah, she had no budget. Like, right. th- this movie, New Moon, we're talking about New Moon. I think we kept talking around it. I don't think we ever said Twilight Saga, New Moon, 2009. You're right. We were, like, talking into it, but then we didn't actually say, this is the second movie. This in is New Moon. The Twilight Saga. Um, this was directed by Chris Wheats, Chris Christopher Wheats, I think. He did, I think, some of the American Pie movies. He did About a Boy, which I think with Hugh Grant, that's... I think oh, I like that, that movie. Yeah. He did Mr. and Mrs. Smith, which is terrible. I've never seen that movie. I saw it in theaters. Okay. It's bad. He was a writer on Rogue One. He did a few things. He also did um. Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. No, he was a producer on that. Oh, I I like that movie. He did American Wedding, American. He did all the. Well, he was at least a producer on all the American Pies. You know what? That makes a lot of sense now because I watched the um, Everything Wrong with for New Moon, and then it ended with well, nobody screwed a pie, and I yeah, was confused why they brought that up. That is true. Nobody had sex with a pie. Nobody had sex with a pie in this movie. But what we do have yes. are werewolves. And face punch. And face, face punch. It's so funny. <laughs> There's a, if you notice in like the little like Christmas teaser I have for the series, I include the moment she punches him in the face and goes, ow! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, that's what's so silly about this series is like the level of inconsistencies. And I have a few... For this one too. And like you mentioned the Volturi. 
And like the thing is, is the movie drags on for so long just being about Bella's codependency that I completely forgot that you meet the Volturi. Like I completely forgot about the trip to Italy. Yeah. Which there's an inconsistent fact that I, I didn't realize this because the movie doesn't tell you, but I found this out because I guess it's in the book. When Edward finds out that, well, when Edward thinks that Bella killed herself, Mm -hmm. he's in Rio. Right. He technically has a longer trip than they do, and yet he's somehow there first. I know! (laughs) I don't get it. I was so confused. Also, if you're a vampire and you move to Seattle because it's not sunny... Why would the next place that you would go to be Rio? Yeah, Rio, Rio de Janeiro. Yeah. Why would... I think the problem is, and this gets brought up a lot in criticisms of this, of not just the movies, but the books. And I think more so the books. Stephanie Meyer introduces ideas. She introduces ideas and changes to the lore. Like we get a lot of different, like like I said last episode... These vampires, on paper, are the most powerful vampires to ever be written. Right, they are overkill. But they, she doesn't commit to these ideas because the inconsistencies are just everywhere. Like, why would a vampire... First of all, that just kind of proves my point that if at, if at the worst that happens to you as a vampire is that you sparkle in the sunlight, I don't think most people would give a shit. And maybe in her weird, twisted way, because I think we're, we're talking about it, you know stephanie meyer Mm -hmm. she might see the fact that he sparkles in the sunlight and look at brazil and be like oh they do the they do the parade thing right they have flashing lights they're all sparkly sexual people they don't they don't care about a sparkly man you know what's worse too is the exoticism continues on so much worse in the breaking dawn movies Oh, no. Yeah, I watched them with just, like, my head, I mean, like, with my, like, hand to my head. Just, like, why is this happening? This is horrible. Like, this is a woman, and it's not malicious. It's just ignorant. It's this lack of understanding of other ethnicities and cultures Mm -hmm. where, like, I can definitely see that she put it in Rio because definitely in her mind she's like, oh, Brazilians, yeah, they're, they're a, they're a, fun ethnic sexual people they don't they wouldn't doubt of sparkly white man walking through their country right it's it's so strange and it's also kind of like i don't know rio comes back in the movies does in it a weird yes it does do they don't tell me they do their honeymoon in rio yes they do <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> They do their honeymoon in Rio. Oh, Stephanie Meyer. Oh my God. She's fetishizing the Catholic people. God damn it. Oh my God. She like really fetishizes um, Brazil. And I think also it is kind of, and I, I would say also like being white, growing up on Long Island, growing up in a, a you know, uh, I would say, like, one part Catholic and one part, like, questioning uh, religion, like, religious is family, is that, you know, you are taught by the media that Brazil is this, like, sort of, like, lawless, hedonistic, fun, sexual, like, you do get these ideas sort of doctrined into you, and it's nobody's, well, I mean, it's, it's not the person's fault who receives that information, 
but boy, does she ham it up when she writes these books. Oh, she does. Like, I yeah. think she saw a picture of, of, of the carnival, Carnivale, and just right. like, yeah, that's every day in Brazil. They're Which is all so silly. flamboyant, yeah. sexual people. They would never suspect a vampire. Right. Like, they're just so busy living it up and, like, having no consequences that they wouldn't even notice that a bloodsucker is living among them. Especially, like, the, like again, the worst thing that happens to him in the sun is he sparkles. Right. And I the attachment to Romeo and Juliet is really, like, the only nugget of a plot that they have. And I guess that's why they ship him off to Italy and then the Volturi. Because they're just like, well, let's go for the Romeo and Juliet thing. But yeah. why couldn't he just show himself in Brazil? Like, how guess, is it any, like, going along with what you're saying, how is it any more scary that he's exposing his chest in Italy than in Brazil? Because the Italians are more dramatic. That is true. That is a fact. <laughs> And well, we can think, say that because we're Italian. I think the whole idea is that if he exposes himself in Italy, the Volturi, because they're right there, they'll just be like, oh, well, we're killing you. You did it. Because that's the thing. He goes to the Volturi to ask for permission to die. Right. And they're like, no. And he's like, well, I'm going to have to expose myself then. And they're like, if you do, we're going to kill you. Don't do that thing. We're going to kill you. Don't do it. I'm going to go do it. But don't do it. We, I want to go you. do it. We warned you. Don't, don't do it. You're a waste don't of talent. Um, yeah. And also, like, I don't understand how if they killed Cam Gigandet in the last movie, why does he specifically need permission to die by the Council of Volturi? Inconsistencies. Right. <laughs> also, I think, like, because that, that's the, that's the, at least for the first three movies, the driving plot, if you can call it that, is mm -hmm. that they kill the boyfriend of Redhead Vampire. Right. Victoria. Sorry, yeah. Sorry, one sec. The neighbors mm -hmm. are just throwing shit. I love when people just throw shit in their apartments. So, they, Victoria's boyfriend gets killed in the first movie, so the plot right. of the next three movies is that she's seeking revenge. Although she does very little to nothing in this movie other than run around the woods and antagonize people. And also she just sort of slinks in the water like Jaws. Oh yeah, the, the, the Jaws moment. I remember yeah. the Jaws moment. Yeah. So I think it's time, after we've ranted a bit, I think mm -hmm. it's time for me to read the tagline for this movie. Oh, please do. Okay. Twilight Saga New Moon. 2009. Edward leaves Bella after an attack that nearly claimed her life, and in her depression, she falls into yet another difficult relationship, <laughs> this time with her close friend Jacob Black. He had a last name? Yes, he did. Jacob Black. They never say it, though. No. Um, also, spoiler alert, he's a werewolf. They're all werewolves. Right. All the... The tribe in this movie. No, not all, but most Not all of them. I think that they're just all more collectively aware. Yeah. yeah. They are werewolves, and that's what this movie is about. Bella is sad. Bella finds new relationship. Bella... I will give Bella this. She doesn't... <laughs> she's teasing him, but she's not teasing him. She's making it clear, but also, like, 
She'll literally say to him, I need time and I can't be with you, but then touch his chiseled abs. Like, that's not that's not a clear signal. No, it's very confusing. And then also, like, yeah, it it's just sort of these, like, weird physical contact moments where they're touching and then they and then she's like wait no stop but then they're touching again it was a weird uh it was like a weird garage montage of the likes i've never seen oh yeah you mean when they're really repairing the the bikes yes yeah yeah i've never seen a, a garage montage like that before so this movie establishes something like we talk about the problematic nature of this relationship in the first movie, mm-hmm. but I mentioned to you before, God, what are they doing? Are they fucking bowling? They could be. Jesus. Like, I get it. Like, I I know what walking around sounds like, but when there's like, <laughs> whatever, I'm sorry. I don't I, need to yell. I do kind of miss bowling during the pandemic. I'm not good at it, but I do miss it. I don't, I, I'm not good at it, and also, like, I don't think you should come to a game with friends if you're trying to be good at it. Oh, God, that's the worst. Yeah, we both know somebody who is like that, and they made it fucking unbearable. I think bowling is most fun when you're goofing off, yeah. having a laugh, you get the junk food, you, oh get, my God, you just they, have they a have good time. The best fries. Oh, yeah, the, the bowling alley, Sheridan, amazing French fries. Hell yeah. Oh my god, and it's cheap, like, it's surprisingly cheap. Yeah, and you get, like, you spend $5 on, like, an entire plate of seasoned fries. Oh, man, I love it so much. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, so in this movie... Yes. Bella celebrates her birthday. Oh, yeah, you you said, so things are established. There's, like, a dynamic of three different types of problematic, unhealthy relationship types that mm-hmm. exist in this movie mm-hmm. some of which i think a lot of and i think that's what works is that people can relate to this type of unhealthy behavior but the movie doesn't bring awareness to it it just celebrates it like that should to be the norm and it's not we have bella very dependent on people she has dependency issues she finds herself in other people and she latches on mm-hmm. she's literally willing to die to make this person happy. Or she's putting herself in danger to get attention from the person she's codependent on. Yes. Yeah. I, I understand Bella, unfortunately. And, no, then, Tom. and then we have Jacob, who again, as a as a man who grew up as a teenage boy, I think every guy can understand Jacob to some degree. Mm-hmm. He is he is a nice young man who at times, I think in this movie, he genuinely means well. Mm-hmm. But then when his hormones kick in, everything is like, I'm a nice guy. Why won't you touch me? Why don't you like me? I know you love me, Bella. It's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I think the turning point, and it's so clear, is like they're about to kiss. Their faces are touching each other for like 10 minutes but they don't kiss. Their lips are like on top of each other. Still no kiss. And then the phone rings at her house and he picks up the phone. That's that's the moment where it shifts from yeah. uh, friend with chemistry to incel. Incel. Yeah. And then we have Edward, which is just how do we describe Edward? Like he says things that are hauntingly familiar where he mm-hmm. makes Bella the center of his universe. And I'm like, 
you say that and then you leave. Right. Right. <laughs> like, what a fucking monster. You're my only reason for living. And then he's like, okay, I gotta bounce. Bye. I'm going to Rio. Yeah. Also, which, like, they don't address it, but imagine being, though, imagine being told, okay, I'm a vampire. I live in Seattle because it's cloudy all the time. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I can't be in the sun. Mm-hmm. And not only does he leave, but he leaves to the sunniest place on the planet. Yeah. How does that supposed to make her feel? Right. It's like so confusing. And also, so like the movie starts with like, it's her birthday, right? They yes. cannot stop focusing on age and Mm -hmm. you're right like the themes that this movie covers just sort of celebrates the things that you shouldn't be celebrating instead of just bringing attention to it like you could bring attention to the fact that she's depressed and having a really hard time with this breakup and probably more so than a normal breakup should but they don't they just sort of treat it like this is how breakups go. And oh no, she's so sad. Oh my God. But with the birthday, she's just so like, oh my God, age is the worst. Age is the worst thing ever. And then they, you know, get to the birthday party. She gets a paper cut from, you know, uh, I don't know. What is it? Wrapping paper? (laughs) Something happened. I don't remember. Right. And then his response to protect her is to throw her against a wall? Yeah, he was protecting her. I don't know what's wrong with that. Yeah, like How does that how does that justify like okay, it's a tiny little paper cut. That sucks. Oh, I'm going to throw her against the wall where she's going to shred more skin against glass and maybe have a few cracked ribs. Maybe some internal bleeding. Yeah, that will protect her. Yeah, and he has a whole breakdown. He goes, I do nothing but hurt you. I must leave and hurt you more. Like, yeah. <laughs> completely robs the choice from her. Right. And now she's obsessed with it. She does nothing for months. Except talk to strangers on motorcycles. Oh, yeah. Do you remember? She has other friends. She Um, has friends. I love Anna Kendrick in her scene after they see the movie. And she's like, whatever. You know, like, what's also hard? Leprosy. Like, that stuff is serious. And I'm like, oh, my God. Give this girl an award. She deserves it. Also, let's talk about her friend. I don't think. Does he ever come back? Her friend, Mike. The one who was dating the other girl in the first movie who's just like, hey, um, since uh, since Edward left and you look like you're eating better, which that's a really rude thing for him to say. God, I remember watching the movie. So he's so awful. Like he like, he's trying to flirt like a dumb, awkward teenager would. But like they don't say it in the movie, but it, it, you could very easily, especially if you're trying to relate to young, teen, insecure teenage girls where eating disorders are prevalent. Like, prevalent. Right. To have this kid, Mike, be like, you look like you're eating lately. Yeah. Now (laughs) that I'm attracted to you again. Now that you're societally acceptable for my penis. Yeah. Would you like to go to movie with me? Let's go see love movie with the words love in it. No, I want to see face punch. Okay, we go see the face punch. Was that actually, was the movie called face punch? (laughs) Yes, it was called face punch. Oh, that sounds like a Death Clock song. It feels like 
all of the little details and things that they should be working on to build this world, they just give it one word and then they never go back to it. Like they never no. pick it up again. Yes. There's that hilarious moment because so by now Bella is trying to get back into reality. She's hanging out with Jacob. Mm-hmm. Is this? I wouldn't I call the, it reality though. No, it's not reality. <laughs> right. I may have jumped the gun. There was okay. that weird awkward moment because the only thing that does happen is whenever Bella puts herself sort of in danger, she sees Edward as a projection. Which doesn't make any sense to me because his special power is supposed to be mind reading. Yes. So how can he project himself on the astral plane? Which, according to what I had looked into about the differences between the book and the movie, okay. in the book, it is just she hears him. She doesn't see him. She only hears him. That still feels contradictory. Yeah, it, it is. I know. Okay. Also, another big difference of the book, and I think this is a problem with Stephanie Meyer's writing, mm-hmm. she spends a lot of time going into details that don't matter. Sure. So, do you remember how, remember the bike montage where she brings Jacob the bike and they bond? Right. Apparently, there was a whole chapter dedicated to Bella going for a walk, seeing the bikes, negotiating the cost of the bikes, oh God, thinking to herself about the bikes, and oh maybe she'll bring the bikes to Jacob, and the and she'll bring two bikes so that one of them's a payment for Jacob fixing the other bike. You know what? Edward might be right. It might just be best to die. Because <laughs> that's unbearable. And then... um. Because then we get to the scene where they fix the bikes, they go bike riding, and she's like, I want to learn how to ride this bike because riding bikes is dangerous and it's edgy. And it means I get I, to see Edward. Whenever I act out, Edward's going to show his face and be like, no, don't do that. But then that's the thing I don't understand is like the whole point is that like her mind can't be read. She's, um, she's like completely void of being affected by any of the vampire powers. But meanwhile, Edward can project himself on the astral plane to her. And then also, like, Jasper can use his pathokinesis on her. Yeah, none of this makes sense. Um, I did like, that's the weird thing when we do get to the Voltaire. Like, there's interesting concepts there, but it's the problem is, like, it's surrounded by this stupid teenage <laughs> melodrama. And I don't want to say it's stupid because these are real feelings that like, I think that's the problem when people hate on these movies is that they attack the feelings that kids have. We shouldn't right. be attacking the feelings that kids have because the reality is those feelings go well, well, well into adulthood and adults feel these feelings. Right. But, but we need to like, I think what separates something like this and let's say Degrassi. <laughs> Degrassi. Uh, which has its ups and downs, but at least there's an attempt to address these real feelings and mm-hmm. be like, yeah, but there's a better way. Like, you got to address to a teenager, like, this may feel like the end of the world right now, but it's not. Like, there's other things going on, buddy. Right. Also, you know, a lot of people, when these movies came out, were just immediately like, oh my God, it's so stupid. But it was more of just like a baseline. I hate this thing. It's a dumb the relationships are dumb, but we are criticizing this for the messages that it presents and its lack of world building that yes. it attempts to do. We are legitimately criticizing the failures of the story because 
the legitimate tension of teenage love is a real thing and it's a fair story element like in other stories it is done well it's just not done well here because like like we keep repeating it celebrates how bad this is like yeah like this is stephanie meyer thinking to herself i would love to have the choice between a pale white anglican white man who's cold non-affectionate sometimes asexual like then i'm not even meaning that in a disparaging way against the the gender identity i mean like he has no sense of like lust for her at right. any point and then meanwhile here's but he this, does want to eat that blood though he don't want to eat the blood he want to eat that blood but then she's faced then he's faced off with this exotic ethnic brown yes. chiseled man questionable always, questionable ethnicity who's never wearing a shirt and his, his like throbbing boner is shown at all times. Right. <laughs> I think the the moment boner. where he says like, "I'm just filling out," I'm like, "No, no, no, don't say that." Oh gee, who do I choose? Who do I choose? It's it it is in a weird way. Like we talk about it a lot. There is the problematic situation where she's fetishizing the ethnicity of mm-hmm. like a different groups because they're the sex symbol mm-hmm. like the idea is i think in stephanie meyer's mind and we see it a lot in new moon if she chooses jacob there is that idea of promiscuity like they might have the sex because he's a wolf man and can't control his urges but if she stays with edward she has to wait till marriage because some made up weird vampire rule right well that's the thing is like the vampire love is very dreary and oh no we can't like touch each other because like oh no I want to suck your blood and you're so cold like it feels very somber and dreary whereas a relationship with a werewolf is like full of life and intensity and there's that physical attraction there And to quote a movie review I I watched for this movie. Yes, please. The the critic said, you know, that's the thing about werewolves. They're never going to pass up on food and ass. (laughs) It's a wolf thing. It's a wolf thing. They'll let you know through the rest of the movies. It's a wolf thing. It's a wolf thing. They they eat and they like ass. That's (laughs) That's all they want. That's all they do. And it's really uncomfortable when you Mm -hmm. think about that she's specifically like, that's the thing, like, they established that vampires, there's different ethnic and different races of vampire, like you have in the first movie, you have, you know, you do have a black vampire. The werewolves are only the Native Americans in this movie, in this series, I think. Right. Yes, they're only Native American. But also, um... (laughs) I don't want to give away too much about the exoticism in Breaking Dawn because it's so prevalent. But you are right. There, Up until Breaking Dawn Part 2, there is only one black vampire. Otherwise, they all just look like extras in a Tim Burton movie. Yeah. They're all just pale face as hell. And I won't lie. Um, I forgot the character's name. He's very briefly in New Moon. He's there for a minute, like a hot minute. Laurent? Is that his name? The the one black vampire who dies in this yeah. movie? 
for this brief moment he's on screen, he's actually doing a pretty decent job acting. He introduces tension that doesn't exist for another hour. No, he's like working in this movie. And it's a shame, yeah, because he's actually working and he was the most charismatic. Like, I don't understand how the redhead is the leader. She has nothing. And I'm not criticizing the actress. That's how it's written. That's how it's written. I think she's just like a placeholder villain until the Volturi becomes important because she has no lines. She has really no, like she's not even on screen that much. She's running through the woods at one point and that is it. Right. And so I'm not afraid of her at all. I am afraid of this vampire who's like holding me so tenderly and saying, if I kill you, it will be gentle. Like, that's terrifying and yeah, very he's, thrilling. He's acting his ass off, and it's a shame that Stephanie Myers doesn't like black people because yeah. he gets killed <laughs> really quick. Because he could have been a great... Think about how much better of a villain he would have been. Yeah, he totally draws you in. Yeah, like, I can buy him leading an, an, an army, which I guess is a little jumping forward to the next movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I buy him leading an army i don't buy her leading an army i don't think running through the woods is a qualification for being a leader i don't think victoria has a single line in this movie she doesn't no she doesn't and yet somehow i'm supposed to be afraid of her yes Uh. i do want to get back to the scene where mike's like let's go to the movies Let's go to the movies. He's he's trying to ask her out. And we as the audience can clearly tell he's asking her out. And mm-hmm. we're all like, God, this is awful. Right. But Bella's like, yeah, sure. Face punch. I'll invite everybody. She invites Jacob. She invites the lunch table. I love when Anna Kendrick is just like, no, it's a movie night with Bella. Because at that point, she's already had the horrible experience of going to one movie with Bella. So she's like, great, we're going to do this again. We're going to steal motorcycles. Yep. So they get to the theater, and it's literally just Mike, Jacob, and Bella. And it is, it is. I thought this was like the only funny part that was unintentionally funny. Or maybe mm-hmm. it was intentional, I don't know. But when they're all sitting in the theater, and she literally has both of her hands out for graphic. <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was good. I think any moment where they try to make Bella Swan funny, I don't understand because she'll make this like, uh, and then they're all like, ha 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 ha. So funny. Killed the tension, but it's like nothing. It's a nothing moment. Bella is so funny. Yeah. Whereas like them holding out their hands, hoping that she will hold either of their hands is like funny it's very nuanced and it's like a thing that I could see easily happening in this scenario. Yo, I just realized something. Mm-hmm. So we see the group of friends, even though they have barely any lines. I love the group uh, of friends. Eric, yes. played by Justin Chan, is back. I don't think he has any, I don't know if he has any lines, but he's he's there. He's at the lunch table. He's got a few lines, but it's mostly about like his girlfriend. They didn't bring back Tyler. Who's Tyler? Oh, the yeah. Black kid. <laughs> they didn't bring him back. Because they probably arrested him after almost hitting Bella with his car. I think it's because Stephanie Meyer was like, I did my job with representation. We don't need him back. Yeah, she did it. Good job, Stephanie Meyer. Uh, you fixed racism. Oh, God, Stephanie Meyer. My God. <laughs> but so the movie seems hilarious. And there's this there is this like weird moment where 
um, Bella and Jacob have this talk by the stairs, and it's decent scene until Mike shows up and is like, "Hey, uh, I'm I'm here, guys." And Jacob immediately flips out. He's like, "I'm gonna put you in jail." Right. What did he say? He's like, "I'm gonna." He, he's trying to sound threatening. But either way, it's like a moment of like super macho toughness. And like he does that thing. He does that. If do you remember the movie? Don John. I never saw it. I liked it. It's I don't know how I liked it. I think maybe because like I understood what he, what Joseph Gordon Levitt was telling. Right. The story of like the macho Italian American Guido kid. I think that's why the, I needed a minute before I watched it because I knew everyone was looking at it as like gym tan laundry. That's the funny thing is the movie is a big criticism on that. Right. It is a huge criticism on that, and I think there is a valuable lesson to be learned. Mm-hmm. But the funny thing is, there's a scene where him and his dad, played by Tony Danza, Brie Larson's in the movie, too. God bless her. Yeah. So there's this hilarious moment where he starts arguing with his dad, and they're both wearing guinea tank tops. Yeah. <laughs> I found the picture of it. It's so funny. They're both wearing <laughs> guinea tank tops, and they've both got their big gold chain on, and they're, like, getting all angry at each other, and they start pouting. And they do that, like, Guido thing where they're trying to one-up each other. And they literally start resorting to making grunt noises. Like, ah, 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 ah. And then Brie Larson's like, will you two calm down? Yeah. And they're like, ugh. 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 That's what Jacob did in that scene. He literally got up and just started, like, brooding. Yeah, he and needed, like, again, the escalating grunts. And then he needed the de-escalating grunts. Yes. Um, Italians, that's how we communicate. Um... The grunts are just inherent to our nature. But what I do think is so funny about that scene is he grabs her hand and she's like, oh, no. And then they're talking. And then when Jacob gets ready to, like, fight Mike, his name is? Yeah, Mike. Yeah, okay. And when he gets ready to fight Mike, she's holding his hand. And it's like, wait, so how is that okay? But it wasn't okay two seconds ago. But that does seem very teenagery. So it's like, I'll allow that. And then what I love is when she's like, wait, Jacob, stop. And then she's like, you're really hot. And then they shoot to Mike's face when she says that. And you just feel the life draining from his eyes. Like, really? Did she literally just say he's that hot? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. You mean my, you mean my, like, my joke about eating disorders wasn't attractive? Oh, no. Simp. So she's all like, oh, my God, you're really hot. And to be honest, I think th- this is why this this exact reason is why I am team werewolf over team vampire, because I do like that the werewolves are so like full of life. But also I want a partner who is just a personal space heater at all times. <laughs> That's the dream. Yeah, I I'll mean, never I... be cold. And that does, that's one of the only things that's consistent is that does come back. The fact that they're like constantly radiating. Yeah, I love that. I love that they're so full of life and that like just touching him can make you not have hypothermia. I think that's great. Oh, yeah. But um, let's see. I'm trying to think. We've been talking for a while now already, so we should probably not linger on too many scenes. But so basically... Like, they have this fight scene at the movie theater. Yeah. And then, you know, she's still sad about 
Edward, and then she almost gets killed, and then the the werewolves come to save her. And what I do love about this movie is not only does she get dumped by one supernatural creature, but she gets dumped by two supernatural creatures. Yes, yes. And honestly, I kind of felt bad for like, the idea of it. Like, this girl gets dumped twice. I thought it was so not, funny. Not only dumped, but ghosted. Like, literally yeah. once Jacob realizes he's a werewolf, he doesn't talk to her. He can't talk to her. And it's like a few weeks, and it's like... Wow, she has to literally relive and redo the trauma. From <laughs> triggered, like the, triggered, triggered. Yeah, from the first experience, and I'm like, that sucks. Like, that's a that's a concept we should explore, but no, it's immediately like she forces herself to see Jacob. Mm-hmm. She gets into a fight with one of the werewolves. They horse around. They're like, oh, it's all good. But then we see like a glimpse moment of like, what is it? Sam is one of the werewolves. Yeah, yeah. Sam's like the his- leader of the werewolves. We see his, like, wife who has a huge scar on her face. Yes. And they're just casually like, oh, yeah, that's what happens because we rough around. I'm like, that's, I think, further part of, like, the misunderstanding and fetishization of ethnic groups. Yes. Yeah. Because it's, like, even though they're they're Native American, you could easily put Hispanic, Italian, um, any any different ethnicity into this role. And she's essentially telling the story of, like, these are, you know passionate wild lively people but they're also dangerous and it's like oh and then i think also that further negates the difference between the vampires and the werewolves because it's like wait you're getting mad at the cullens for throwing her against the wall that's totally fair but like obviously you guys aren't safe either yeah they're all like if we look at it from a like mystical fantasy sort of thing instead of like real life relationship sort of thing they're Mm -hmm. both groups of monsters they're both monsters the villagers will chase them both out of their village right and i i know that you have an issue with the way that the wolves look when they transform yeah i don't like that they're just big teddy bear wolves okay i i do kind of like that only because i would love to have a dire wolf (sighs) but that's it you know that's but that's that. That's not a werewolf, though. That's just know, a dire wolf. I know. I think. I think it's just like, you know, it's, it's perpetuating, my interest in having like a giant animal. So it's not really, creating an actual like scary werewolf. Yeah, but I think it's again along the lines where. Stephanie Myers is changing the lore a bit, which is fine. I don't want to criticize for changing the lore. Mm-hmm. I kind of think that the idea of the vampires being this powerful mm-hmm. is an interesting story. But it goes nowhere because she forgets the things she establishes. But with the werewolves, it's literally like, unlike traditional werewolves, they can change whenever they want. Right. I mean, anger is what triggers the transformation, but they literally can change whenever they want. They become big wolves, so it's they're just, they're more like... Like, I know that, like, we can't see them because they're werewolves. It's like, no, 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 If most people saw what you were, they would just assume you were a wolf. They wouldn't think twice. They'd be like, I need to leave. There's a big-ass wolf. Right. They would just think it's, like, a natural anomaly. Oh, my God, yeah. this wolf is gigantic. They seem that, like, they, they talk about learning to control your primal urges. But to be honest, at no point does it seem that difficult for these wolves to cooperate and behave. Right. Only when you get into fights with humans. And I, I just want to state... For our next movie that in this movie when she punches Sam in the face there is a recoil and Bella's hand is totally fine I'm just throwing that out there right now 
Oh yeah, because remember when she broke her fist punching Jacob's face in this movie? It's the next movie. Oh, that's the next movie? It's the next movie. Oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 it's okay, because at that point, Edward comes back. Yeah. And then, so, yeah, she punches, I remember that, she punches Sam, mm-hmm. and he recoils, and he's like, ooh, ooh. you know, he does the and whole like, grunty bro, thing. Bro, 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 hold me bro, back, bro. hold me back. And and they're like, the other guys are joking, like, ah, oh, you, look, it's too late now. Right. It's so casual. And I love that she's running away, and she's like, Jacob, go. Obviously, obviously he's going to be a werewolf. <laughs> she, I think in she took this long in the first movie to figure out how to say vampire. Like, not even that Edward was a vampire, but how to say it. Because that's what she couldn't do. She couldn't just say, you're a vampire. Right. And the funny thing, too, is that the first movie, there's this whole crazy scene with the camera twisting and spinning around the forest. And then all they get when they establish that Jacob is a werewolf is like a nice little stroll on the beach. A nice little like socially distant stroll. Like he's kind of behind her. He looks like he's a solid six feet behind her. And they're just like, yep, I'm a werewolf. Also... What bothers me is that when she finds out he's a werewolf, mm-hmm. she says some really offensive shit. Yeah. Like, take into context that we're playing with the idea that Stephanie Meyer is using werewolves and vampires as allegories for different types of people. Mm-hmm. So, she just saw what a werewolf can do. Mm-hmm. They're big, gigantic creatures, and they could tear things to shreds. Right. And she still has the audacity to say to Jacob, you don't know how powerful these vampires are. It's I know. Like, Right. Have you seen the wolves? <laughs> well, even like the joke to one of the werewolves makes, and I, I think it's just like, I don't know. I like their little pack. They they seem like they have a good time. They're like, we run faster than vampires. And it's clearly like just like to one up them. And then she's like, no, you don't because they're like really fast. And then it's like, is that supposed to be another Bella joke? Yeah. It's like, have you, first of all, um, I don't care how fast vampires are. Werewolves got four legs. Yeah. At least in this movie, they got four legs. In this movie, they have four legs. And and then she says to Ed, which she, none of this she ever says to Edward, by the way. Mm-hmm. In this movie, when he they talk about him being a werewolf, she literally goes, "Can you like undo it? Can you just not be a werewolf?" I know that's the worst line ever. She's like, "Why don't you just stop?" Oh, great. Great idea, Bella. Thank you so much for, you know, contributing to the conversation. And she automatically assumes, she's like, you've killed people. And it's like, they've killed nobody. <laughs> you sounded like the um, Hallmark uh, video that I sent you on Imgur, where they're like, <laughs> Steve Wargaborgi, Christina Venda Fleming, I had a crush on you in college. <laughs> yeah, she's like, you've killed people. And it's like, no, he has. How do fuck? She doesn't. None of this gets asked to Edward in the first movie when he's like, I'm a vampire. She doesn't go, can you like undo that? Can you like not kill people? <laughs> like, I'm sensing some little bit of racism right here. Oh, totally. And there's at one point, I think it's in the beginning of the movie when he says hi to her at high school. And she's like, oh, are you finally going to join us with all of us pale faces? And I'm like, why is that necessary? I don't know. And the funny thing, too, is that, you know, the first movie, there's so much quote-unquote Native American lore about the quote-unquote cold ones. 
And there are actually some really, really interesting myths about creatures that do more closely relate to werewolves, like the skinwalkers. Yeah. The skinwalkers are very cool, but like here is your chance to actually do your research, Stephanie Meyer. Oh, there's a little bit more I'm going to talk about when it comes to her understanding of like culture different groups yet yeah, in cultures. Oh my god. Then we get to this whole thing and you mentioned before like mm-hmm. we've been jumping around but like inconsistency with what we talked about. We get to the scene where Jacob drives Bella home but then he smells a where he smells a vampire. He goes there's a vampire here mm-hmm. and it's then she realizes it's Alice. She's like, oh my god, Alice is here. My favorite character in the whole series, Alice, is here. Right, after like an hour of being just gone. They're all gone. Yeah, Alice is here. She runs into the house. She talks to Alice. She's like, oh my god, I need to see Edward. And Alice is like, I saw a vision of you jumping off the bridge. Oh, yeah, you need to make right. sure you're okay. She Not the bridge, the cliff. Yeah. She tried to die, which I found this out. The scene where, because we have the scene where... Bella's dad, the only normal person in the whole series, and the his friend are going hunting for these bears, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And Ver- what is her name? Veronica, the the vampire lady. Victoria. Keep, Victoria. How do I forget Victoria? No, when I'm you so said sorry. Veronica, I thought for a second, is it Veronica? And I'm just wrong. So Victoria shows up, mm-hmm. is about to attack. And the werewolf jumps in and stops her. And this scene was actually added to the movie. It was not in the in the book. Okay. And I think that it's like one of those scenes that's like, this is exposition that could have helped. But, so that happens. Bella jumps off a cliff to try and have Edward, to see Edward, to feel something. And she's saved by Jacob. Mm-hmm. Jacob brings her home. He smells vampire. And that's when we get Alice. Alice is like... Oh my god. And then like there there's this interesting confrontation between Alice the vampire and Jacob the werewolf. They call each other. She calls him a hairy wet dog. He's like you're a blood sucking nothing. Um I I know that like okay, I know that Jacob throws just as much shade as Alice, but I I really don't like the way that Alice talks to him. No, it's really inappropriate. Yeah, it's not nice. Um, but also my biggest complaint about Bella jumping off the cliff and them thinking she dies. Why didn't Edward just continue to astral project? Yeah. Then he would have just seen that she was fine. Yeah, because literally what happens is this is where we have that power dynamic. Or read Alice's mind because he can read Alice's mind. Oh yeah, nothing because plot. Because plot. So legit, he does this weird thing where... He calls the Cullen house. Jacob picks up because mansplaining. He goes, she's, he's preparing a funeral. Uh, Edward does no other investigation and just says, I'm going to die. Right. And he crushes the phone, which is not a healthy thing to do when you no. hear another man pick up the phone at your ex-girlfriend's house. This whole movie is a lot of mansplaining because... It is. It's all mansplaining. A large portion of it is just like Edward telling Bella what to do with her life while Astral projecting. And then he picks up the phone and is like, oh, Charlie Swan is planning a funeral, which is a very strange thing to say to somebody on the phone, just in general. You're right. No follow-up questions, nothing. He just crushes his phone. No further investigation. 
we get the race to Italy. Right. Where, where Alice and, and Bella race to Italy, somehow get there before, no, get there after Edward, who is significantly further away in Rio. Right. And she conveniently has a passport to go to Italy. Yeah. Also, so this is what I was going to talk about, about Stephanie Myers not understanding culture. Yes. So they get to Italy. It's Venice, I believe, right? No, I don't think it's Venice. Where were they? Is it Sicily? No. Is it the Vatican? No, it's somewhere no. else. It's not. I don't think it's Venice. Because Venice doesn't look like that. And out of... Um, it just says Edward travels to Italy to ask Volterra, the Volterra. Volterra, Italy. Okay. So, in the movie, they give the act, they're celebrating St. Marcus Day. And Alice says, this is the celebration of the Italian people casting out vampires from the city. Mm-hmm. Um, that is not it. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know what, if you're going to make up, just make up a holiday. Yeah. Or better understand what you're doing, because St. Marcus Day is two holidays, it's... This, it's the Feast of St. Mark, but it also is the day, April 25th. It's also the holiday. It's a national holiday that celebrates the casting out of the Nazis from Italy. You know what? I'm going to give Stephanie Meyer a weird compliment here. At least she's clueless about all cultures. Yeah. You know? she. That's fair. She's completely clueless about all of them. Right. She throws the Italians in with any of the other groups that she doesn't seem to understand. So at least there's one thing she's consistent with. She's consistently fetishizing predominantly Catholic faiths. Yes. Like Brazilians, Italians, and then even though it's Native Americans, like Native American out of convenience, she could have easily just put, you know, Latinx in there. Right. Yeah. They didn't have to be... All specific, I mean, yes, yeah. We, yeah, we know this starts, already. <laughs> yes, yeah. So, uh, she gets St. Mark's Day wrong. Yes. Um, Edward has talked to the Volteri, Volterra, the, 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 I forgot what Volturi. The Volturi, the bougie vampires. Michael Sheen's hamming up. And the score in this is beautiful, and the set is beautiful, and it's shot really well. And there's just this weird dynamic where, like, Everything going on is visually appealing, mm-hmm. but it's just not solidifying or working because we're working with melodrama and nonsense. Right. It's like the setting that they create when they go to Italy is really something else, and I want to see more of it, but the camera is only fixated on Bella and Edward. So all of this exciting stuff, all this like grand scenery is happening around them. And you don't get to see any of it because we have to watch Bella silently run through a fountain. Yes, and she jumps and she saves Edward. She saves Edward, but then Alice shows up and then the vault and the Volturi are like, we need to speak with you guys. What I love is that she had to run at Robert Pattinson at such a speed that there was a stunt person who was crouched underneath Robert Pattinson to just hold him up by like the booty like essentially the <laughs> booty 
and just make sure he doesn't fall backwards when he catches Kristen Stewart. Nice. Also, I just feel like, and I said this earlier, that the Romeo and Juliet connection is just so strained and so far-fetched. Yeah. Yeah. It's nonsensical. Yeah. So I did actually enjoy the scene with the Volteri. We established some lore. We established that there's this there is this vampire power. Michael Sheen's hemming it up. This is the type of goofy ass shit I love. I'm not too big of a fan of it for for certain reasons. It has nothing to do with the actual content of the scene. It has everything to do with how they place it. Like yeah, well, the elevator yeah. thing is very strange. Oh, that was hilarious. <laughs> Super serious red-eyed vampires riding an elevator in complete silence for 10 seconds. Right, and it's like I don't know. I think that they were trying to make it funny, but it wasn't funny enough. Like then Bella no. should have said one of her weird awkward jokes where everyone is like, "Ha ha ha, ha Bella, you're so funny." Another thing I thought about because they, they, they pass the Italian secretary who's just like, a Borgiorno! Ciao! I want to be a vampire! Sono Italian! Like, just nothing. There's a nothing person. And there, and then Bella's like, is she a, is she a person? And, and Edward's like, yeah. But does she know? And then he's like, yeah. And I guess that's like their attempt to bring in familiars. Do familiars show up later on? Because so far, never have we mentioned that familiars exist in this universe. But they don't even like it. They just make a joke about her being dessert, and that's it. But the secretary right. might as well be singing like Voltore. Whoa, <laughs> she loves them. Il mio bambino. <laughs> like just, just standard Italian stereotype. But so she's a, I guess, a familiar. But this movie, we don't get the lore. Just. Interesting ideas are introduced but never executed, so I don't fucking know what she is or why she's there. No. She, she takes the phone calls for the secret vampire club. Also, like, they make a point to explain in exposition how the vampire's eyes can change to, like, an amber-yellow color, but they never say anything about how they can be red. Yes, because now we have Dakota Fanning. Right. Who's like the pseudo leader, not really, of the vampires. She's overkill. Because Michael, Michael Sheen is like the real leader, but then there's like two other weird looking, like tall, white, pale, Norse looking guys who are, I guess, the other leaders. But Dakota Fanning's like, she has the psychic ability. She has like telepathy or something, and she can like use mind control powers. She can to torture people. people with her mind. But she can't torture Bella. And that's where I thought this was a cool idea. A human who is resistant to vampire powers. Like, that's a cool concept that nothing gets paid out of it. Okay, so there's another vampire that I found out about in, like, reading about some of the other characters that I I guess they cut out for, you know, reasons but I thought that she was really interesting and could actually sort of explain some of the dynam- dynamics within the Volturi. There is a character named Chelsea in the Volturi who her special vampire power is to manipulate loyalties in relationships. 
That's a really cool power to me because it's like it's political, it's mental, it's emotional. Like she can make people either more loyal to each other or not loyal. So there's, you know, Arrow and there's Caius. And Caius obviously is like very manipulative on his own, but he's kind of like manipulative in like a basic, like, you know, violent political leader kind of way. And then there's the other guy. I don't remember his name right now. But he seems like he's just sitting there and he's depressed. And the reason that he is acting like that is because he was in love with Arrow's sister. Arrow's sister was killed and then he wanted to leave the Volturi. But Chelsea forced him to become more loyal to the Volturi. Oh, wow. See, this is right? all significantly more interesting. Isn't that so interesting? I also just really like the power of like the like manipulation of like emotional attachments and relationships that's probably something for a doctor to you know assess because it's interesting because that's like it's because it's drama right and you're watching a manipulation and strategy unfold and like at least when you acknowledge it we can be aware of its malicious intent rather than trying to be supporting Edward and be like, yeah, but we know this isn't healthy. Right. And it's powerful in a way that I find interesting and unique instead of some of the other vampire powers that are just like brute force, like Emmett or something like that. Yeah. I think it's a really, I don't know. I think it's a shame that they cut her out of the movies. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) And then, then they, they make a deal because I guess, despite Bella not, she can't be affected by the psychic abilities, so they're gonna kill Edward. But she's like, "No, kill me instead," and that makes Arrow impressed. Then he's like, "If you decide to be a vampire, we will let you all live." And that is the new plot. That is the premise. That is the setup for the rest of the series. Bella has to become vampire. But then, why does he try to kill Edward anyways? Is it just because, like, he's having a relationship with a human and she could be dangerous? Is that it? Um, I don't even remember what their reason was. I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or, Reasons, plot. Know. She does this thing when he's, like, about to get his neck snapped where she, like, clutches her shirt and grabs her hair. And it's just a really strange choice. Like, nobody at any point was, like... Kristen Stewart, this looks a little strange. Let's run it again. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't bother. Um, So now we have established plot theme for the rest of the books that she must become vampire or else they all get the, they all get the killed. Mm -hmm. Um, We go back to Seattle. Um, There's a, I'm just going to kind of wrap up the rest of the movie so we can just wrap it up. Wait, I I have one more thing. Sure. What's up? Why? What? Uh, it's another inconsistency. <laughs> How is it that the Volturi are in charge of making sure that, like, they can, can continue to live without going unnoticed, but nobody is concerned when entire tour groups go missing in Italy? Yeah, you know, I didn't even get that at first, but they literally brought a whole tour group to the Volturi, and I'm like, wait a minute, are they going to sacrifice them? Are they going to eat yeah, them? Yeah, they're totally eating them. I had no idea. Yeah, and that's the thing is, like, like um, Bella starts looking back and is like, no, no, no. And then Edward is like, come on, keep going. Like, we have to keep moving. And you hear them screaming. They're all, get, they're all lunch. 
Oh. Like somebody would somebody would know. I mean, my parents were in constant contact with me when I went to Thailand. So like if I just stopped answering them and like when I go to Mexico, they were like, you know, when you travel, people check up on you and make sure you're having a good time or that like you're okay. These people have families who would be like, we didn't hear back from them in Italy. Yeah, where in specifically this one location they went to. Right. Like, you'd think somebody would be like, oh, I'm visiting this really nice place called the Voltaire. Yeah. Somebody but... would connect the dots that everyone who has gone to this chapel has mysteriously gone missing. I think the only reason is it's lazy writing and Stephanie Myers in her mind probably looks at Italy the same way a lot of people look at Mexico and are just like, oh, um... Just, it happens. Right, right. That's what happens when you go to these countries. Right, exactly. So that, I think that's what it is. Yeah. Oh, it was shot in Montepulciano, Italy. Oh. Montepulciano. It is a medieval and renaissance hill town in the province of Siena in southern Tuscany. That sounds, it is beautiful. It is very beautiful. Okay, so feel free to wrap up the rest of the movie. They get back to Seattle. Yes. Edward and Bella are driving. They're talking about being vampires. He's all he's like, like, I changed my mind. He, I will give him this. He does say, I don't want you to convert. And I don't want you to, if we have to, can you at least live your life a little bit? Like, there is this at least attempt to be like, you really shouldn't do this. You know, like, but then they almost, the car almost runs over Jacob. Which, right. And in my mind was Jacob just waiting for every car to go by to wait for Edward. He probably could smell the vampire. What if Jake, what if Edward never stopped? <laughs> if he didn't stop, I mean, that he's a would have been a survive. really good confrontation. Yeah. Cause what we get instead is Jacob's like, you can't, you have to follow the agreement. You're not allowed to bite people. And he's like, oh, and Bella's like, no, you guys, I'm tired to stop fighting about me. I'm Switzerland. A... Wait, that's in the next movie. I know that's in the next movie. I just think that, that line is, is so funny. Of, it is one of the worst lines, and I love it because it's... <sighs> but, so, they brawl, they get over it. The movie ends with the dramatic moment where Edward's like, I just need one more thing if you agree to do this, if we agree to do this. And she's like, what, Edward? And he goes, you have to marry me. And then the movie ends. <laughs> Your interpretation of Chris, of Bella Swan sounds like Teresa Giudice from The Real Housewives of New Jersey. And I love it so much. She's just like, what? <laughs> Edward. Oh, my God. What is going on? And then, then this, and then that, and I told him, and then the that, and then that, and then Joe. Like, <laughs> guys, I am officially Switzerland. <laughs> um, that's the movie, guys. That is that is New Moon, and you've watched all of them. I, by did, now, I right? did watch all of them. Please tell me that this is the most difficult one. No. Because okay, I'm a, I'm a little ahead. I watched Eclipse, and I can't wait to talk about Eclipse. It is, it is by far the best one in the series. Totally. Both ironically and unironically, like unironically, there's legitimately good moments, and then ironically, it's really funny. 
Okay, I would say Breaking Dawn does have more plot happening, but I would not say that makes it any better than New Moon. I hated Breaking Dawn Part 1. Oh, boy. So that's the next one I gotta so watch. So that's what you have coming towards you. Oh, boy. Um, I also forget that at some point for people, and not for me, because, you know... It's one of those things where, like, you hear about everything. Like, we all knew some people were going to die in Harry Potter without actually, like, reading the books or seeing the movies. Um, for some people, it was a shocking moment when Edward proposes to Bella. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know. Because when I, this was a date movie for me, and my, my girlfriend at the time cried at the end of the movie. That's so crazy to me. And I remember being like, it was I supposed to buy the ring? I'm only 18. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. No, you're not supposed to do anything at that point. And I think that, you know, that that um, sort of projection or expectation of what to look forward to, like, there, that happens to a lot of people. It happens to a lot of teenagers. Like, for me, it was Prince and Me. I, I loved that movie. I thought that was, like, such a good movie. And it's, yeah, it's like, it's, it's fun. She's a doctoral student who wants to help people and become a doctor. He's a prince and she has no idea. Like, it's, it's cute. Yeah. I mean, we're also at the season where all the Hallmark movies are essentially that. Steve Wargaborgi? <laughs> the prince, wait, which one's the famous, what's, what, what's the one on Netflix that's like got three. Oh, the Christmas prince. <laughs> The Christmas Prince. Yeah. Oh I tried to watch that one for 10 minutes and I couldn't do it. I tried to watch it because I like Rose McIvar and it, it reminds me of The Prince and Me. So I was like, okay, sure. Like, I'll, I'll watch this. And then I was like, oh my God, this is trying to be a Hallmark movie. I might watch it and give a report. Yeah, <laughs> If we ever get enough followers to do a Patreon, we'll just start doing like all of the bad Netflix Christmas movies. Yeah. yeah, I think I'm going to, I just came up with this idea because we wrapped up the movie and I think we've talked about it quite a bit. Mm -hmm. We could rate each of these movies. We'd have to retroactively rate the first one also, right. but on a scale of five burgers, <laughs> where do we put these movies? I mean, the theme that I established was that you have to eat burgers when you watch these movies yes. because it's, because, because of like three scenes in the first movie where he happens to eating cheeseburgers and I'm like, I would love a cheeseburger right now. Right. Or we don't have to do it out of five. We can, if we were to make a scale of like burgers, we could have, what's the bottom, like the worst type of burger? I'd say Applebee's is like the worst. No, I think I would give, well, I don't know. I, I haven't had an Applebee's burger in a long time, but when I think of like the worst grossest burger it's a burger that other people like i don't like white castle fair you know what fair yeah white castle is really i think it's not good it makes my stomach can, hurt i have okay i have the best okay. idea we will do burgers out of five okay but and in doing so we have to because i think our opinions are very subjective and that's going to lead to more comedy sure. we then prescribe which burger restaurant you're eating at so that we can correlate our experience of watching this movie with our experience at one of these burger restaurants. Oh my God. Okay. So I, I think what you were trying to say is 
we are going to pair a burger joint with each of these Twilight movies. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Um, can I offer a second proposal, a follow-up proposal? Yes. Can we rate how good of a dad Charlie Swan is on a number of mustaches? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Yes. That's just a separate rating system for all of the movies. How much of a dad is the dad? And then we'll rate it on mustaches. Okay. This is good. Okay. Do you want to start with the burger rating? Yes. I'm I'm okay. thinking I'm thinking really hard about this. Okay. I can I can go if you want. You go first. Alright. I give this on a burger scale of five. I give it an Applebee's one. Okay. And I say Applebee's because very specifically, my friend Nicholas Galina and myself once went to Applebee's and ordered burgers and they were the most atrocious, disgusting burgers. I remember Mm. it looked like an octopus and and I'm not saying that as an exaggeration and I realized why it looked like an octopus. The guy grabbed the burger patty, squeezed it and threw it on the griddle. So there was... Ew! Like Like he's... There was literally... Five indents in this burger, and it was completely raw. Like when you said squeezed it, at first I thought you meant that like he smashed it with the spatula, and then I realized you mean that he like squeezed it between his fingers, and then the meat started to protrude in his knuckles. Mm-hmm. And that's the burgers that both Nick and I got. Oof. It was disgusting, and it was a lot. We waited a long. Like that's the thing. We waited a very long time. I know. What is it about Applebee's where like you're waiting for a very long time? Yeah, which makes no sense. Yeah, it's, all the it's food's Apple frozen piece. in the back. It shouldn't take that long. Yeah. So just like this movie, it was a very long wait mm-hmm. for a disgusting payoff. And the only redeeming thing for me was the Volteri scenes, which I would equate that to just saying, fuck it, I'll just get boneless wings because that's the safe bet when you're in a- at an Applebee's and you're like, what, 20 years old trying to be cost effective? Fair, fair. Um. Okay. And then what would you say for the first one? What what burger would you pair with the first one? Mm. I had a lot more fun with it. Like the quality is not good. Right. But I had a lot of fun with it and I was happy and satisfied and said that was a fun time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't say it was good quality, but it's like, <sighs> what burger for the first one? I think, honestly, it has to be because of those scenes. It has to just be a generic diner burger. Okay. Like, maybe the quality ratio is off because the diner burgers are typically pretty good. But maybe, like, like, the diner on Hillside? The townhouse? Yeah, that's the townhouse. Yeah. They're not the best. But you know what? You're there with your friends. You're bad. laughing. You're having a bit. Yeah, it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's a good, it's a decent, not good, it's a decent diner burger. out of. And I would give it, like, a two and a half out of five burgers that's fair that's fair i think that this movie would be one half eaten white house uh white castle burger because i really i really don't like white castle and i really don't want to watch this movie ever again i can't even believe that i've watched it a second time and the first time i watched it i said i would never be in a position where i would watch this again and i feel very similarly to eating white castle so yikes! Yeah, so I'm I'm gonna say it's one half eaten, White Castle slider. The first movie. I'm going to. I'm actually gonna give the move the the first movie a little credit because it's campy. There's there is something to enjoy there. 
no matter how ridiculous it is, it's fun to watch that scene where he's like ready to jizz in his pants because the fan yeah. is like blowing her scent towards him. Um, I'm gonna give it Red Robin because oh yeah, yeah. because Red Robin it's like it's kind of good, but also it's kind of not good. You know what it is because. You're right. It's generic. It's bland. The burger isn't amazing, but you can get it with like fried jalapeno coins. Right. And I can get like a boozy milkshake if I feel like it. You know what? I think I'm switching my answer. Nice. I'm going to, I'm going to, it's Red Robin. Red Robin is the first movie, and Applebee's slash Half Eaten White Castle is the second That's movie. That's canon now. True fact. It's, it's official. Okay. Now time for our mustache rating. Now do we rate the mustaches out of five? Yeah, I think five mustaches is a fair amount of mustaches. Okay. Um, In the first movie, I think he's prime dad. He's ultimate, I love my daughter dad. Right. Um, I think in this movie, I think he's about this. The problem is the movie's so long that you gotta negate points because he doesn't have as much screen time. Right. But he has a moment where he legit like says, is it this movie or the... Oh, it's the next movie. Sorry, never mind. In this movie, he's like trying to get her to go out and such. But I, I think I have to go down to a three, three mustaches. I think I think I agree with your rating. I'm going to say for the first movie, um, dad was pretty dad. He was like protecting her and he got her a car, right? He got her the car? No, Jake. No, he did. He bought it from the tribe. Right. So he got her a car. So I'm going to say dad is four mustaches of a dad in the first movie and then in the second movie I would give him two just because he's not in it as much but I'm gonna say three because he does have a moment where he's like this is not normal behavior for a breakup you need to go do something yeah I agree there's a scene there's one scene in the next one where I think he achieves ultimate dad Mm -hmm. but again like we have more movies to go and I don't want to get jumped too far ahead but yeah I agree with these ratings I also just love that, like, from now on until the end of all of these movies, everyone, like, whenever Bella makes a decision, a decision, everyone's just constantly asking her, what about Charlie? Like, everyone's so concerned about her dad, and I'm yeah. here for it. Yeah. What about, yeah, what about Charlie? Yeah. Okay, so. Yes. I proposed to you earlier before we started recording that instead of asking the question, like, would this be successful today? That we should give our, like, imaginary reboot casts if they were to start this whole entire series over from scratch, who would be your cast? Okay. Do you have your list ready? I have to get my list ready. You go first. Okay. Okay. Let me check my Google Docs. Okay. Who should I start with? Who? Um, start with Bella, I guess. Okay. My pick for Bella Swan is Lana Candor. Condor? Lana Condor. She is from To All the Boys I've Loved Before. Oh, okay. She has been in a love triangle in a movie already. And I think that she, in those movies, brings an inquisitiveness that is missing from Kristen Stewart's performance. Yeah. Like, 
her character in To All the Boys I've Loved Before is like equally kind of like she's a little quiet. She doesn't, you know, she lives with her dad, but there's still like a sort of like silent observation that plays much more readily available on her face than it does Kristen Stewart. So that's my pick. Okay. And then we were talking about Michael B. Jordan. Yes, we were. So Michael B. Jordan is my pick for Edward Cullen. Beautiful. And I'm not, I don't give a shit about age, okay? Because you know what? None of these Cullens look like they're 18. And, okay. you know, we have older people playing teenagers all the time, so it doesn't matter. Now for Jacob, I tried to think of the most, like, simp, incelly person who could be a, a werewolf. And I chose Ty Sheridan from Ready Player One. Oh, God, yeah. Right? Oh Ty Sheridan. <laughs> he would be a perfect incel werewolf. And then I started filling out the rest of the cast with some pretty solid picks. Um, I picked Zoe Kravitz as Leah, who is okay. the only female werewolf in the pack. I'm just, I'm here for Leah. I'm here for the way her character, like, she's a good character. And she's, like, in the same pack, like, in the same group as, like, Alice, Rosalie, and then you add Leah. They're just, like, a good group of supernatural females who just don't get enough attention in these movies. Okay. Vanessa Hudgens as Victoria. Vanessa Hudgens, yeah, wow. Right? I think she has, like, she could give some sass to the role that's missing. Okay. And then, so this is a weird twist, but I have my reasons for it. Okay. I want Haley Joel Osment as Arrow, the leader of the Volturi. Because <laughs> he'd just be like, hey guys, what's hey. going on? But then, I want David Tennant to play Caius. Beautiful. Because although I think David Tennant could more precisely play Arrow, I just really like the idea of David Tennant being a vampire that answers to Haley Joel Osment. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I filled out the cast a little bit more with Bill Hader as Charlie Swan. That's a great one. I, right? Yeah, yeah. I love Bill Hader. And he kind of has that like same vibe as Billy Burke. Okay. And then I just put Timothy Chalamet and Harry Styles as any vampire. Yeah, yeah. Oh god. Just any of them. I like Harry Styles more than I like Timothy Chalamet. And it's not because Timothy Chalamet did anything wrong. It's because I really hated him in Lady Bird. I just really like Harry Styles' music. I think it's really yeah. good. But they both just sort of look like they could be vampires. Yeah. And then I put Letitia Wright from Black Panther as Alice. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. I think Letitia Wright was like the knockout star of Black Panther. I'm excited to see her take on a bigger role for the second one that they finally started working on or agreed to work on. And um, I think she'd make a great Alice. All right. I didn't didn't dig as much into it. I had funny ideas. I tossed around serious ideas and bad ideas. Oh, fantastic. Like Haley Joel Osment is the leader of the Volturi. 
for some reason, I I imagine Zoe Kravitz maybe being Bella because I want I love her Ooh. and I want her in the lead of the movie. I do love Zoe Kravitz. I'm I'm glad that we both have Zoe Kravitz in our cast. But then I also couldn't decide. This was for serious, either Zoe Kravitz or um, Anya Taylor Joy because I love her. I thought about yeah. her too. I was like Anya Taylor Joy would definitely be in one of these, like in one of these roles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if I were to make a serious movie, um, if it were serious, I was thinking maybe Michael B. Jordan as, as Jacob and changing mm. the whole Native American aspect and kind of not removing it out of disrespect, but like being more respectful about what the intention was. Michael B. Jordan is very steamy and I, I do yes. feel like that is the intention of Jacob. Ty Sheridan is not a steamy. No. Um, yeah. I had a hard time with Edward because maybe I just don't care for Edward right. that much. Like, you mean you're you don't like a vampire telling you that you're their only reason for living? Yeah, that's not that doesn't do it for you. Or make or Cole Sprouse just because I kind of like him as um. Oh, I could see that Jughead. Or or fuck that. it, let's just make Machine Gun Kelly Edward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um and i didn't get much further than that i just but then i was like charlie could be played by um um nick offerman oh my god that'd be so good because the thing is in the alternate version where it's all jokey yeah the only consistent is that nick offerman would still be charlie in the serious version it's still charlie and the not serious version it's still charlie so in the in the bad version in the bad version of twilight um Bella would be played by Aubrey Plaza. Nice. Um, Edward would be played by Nathan Fillion. Oh, Nathan Fillion. Danny Trejo would play Jacob. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. And then the... That's all I got for like, but then obviously the consistent is Nick Offerman is still, right. Nick Offerman is still Charlie. Just but imagine that <laughs> April Lovegate and love Ron Swanson. They do kind of have a father daughter thing going on. They do. And that's what's so great about their friendship in Parks and Rec. Um, I, I do also want to throw like John Cho and Henry Golding in there. Like I could see Henry Golding being the part of Sam. Yeah. And then like John Cho could be Carlisle. Ooh, that's true. Yeah, I feel yeah. like he, I feel like he could pull that role off. Yeah, those are my not as well planned out picks. No, it's okay. I I shouldn't have been as planned out as I was. No, I love that you were planned out. Um, I just I started to thought experiment with it, <laughs> but then like just I didn't get a chance to really sit down and think about it more than like the very brief mentions in my mind I'm like this would be a good serious pick and this would right. be a hilarious pick if we were to do a parody right like in the serious version David Tennant probably would be a great arrow but I just oh, love the idea of him answering to Haley Joel Osment yeah he would be a great vamp because also oh then I would love to have um Colin Farrell Colin Farrell because yeah. we're, we're going back to the going back to Fright Night which that remake is great yeah such a good movie so much fun. Those vampires are terrifying. They are scary. Because he is literally a great white shark. Like, he is a monster. Right. He is a predator in the same way 
that Jennifer is in Jennifer's body. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they could go hunt together. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then probably have, like, demon vampire sex or something because they're both, like, very visually attractive people. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Courtney, what has been your weekly obsession? Um, I've been watching a lot of videos of Julian play Among Us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Julian. Um, and I, I, I think that I have... Is Julian just turning into a hipster Mark Marin? Yeah. Because I look at him and I'm like, he looks like somebody and he looks like a comedian and I can't figure out who it is. And then I was like, oh my God, he looks like a hipster Mark Marin. He's just morphing into him slowly. Oh yeah. With more Twitch streams. Oh my God, yeah. What has been your obsession? Um, Honestly, a little bit of that because I did... I did um I did send you that video and I was like, hey, Julian's making sorta of like Jenna videos. Right. But we're speaking of Jul Julian, I can't remember his last name is Julian Somolita. Is that how you yeah. say it? Who is fantastic. I love his ridiculous Aries energy. So yes. much fun. And his reactions and memes is so nice. It's also just nice to see the dogs again. Yeah. I miss the dogs. <laughs> but um but really what I've been obsessed with from the moment I turned it on was the new Animaniacs. Oh, yeah. I still like, haven't watched it yet. Immediately when I watched the first episode, I'm like, yeah, I'm sold. Aww. I'm sold on this. It is great. The animation, like, the animation isn't, like, they stay true. Like, it's not hand-drawn, but it still keeps true to the design and the look. And it's honestly a little more consistent because it's one studio versus, like, a bunch of studios. The new animation is a little jarring, but you know, in the way that a new reboot of like an old classic that we grew up with is going to be a little jarring because it's so polished now. Yeah. I also, yeah. I do appreciate like we've gotten to a point because of Deadpool and just nerd humor, meta humor has kind of run its course very quickly. Right. But I appreciate when meta humor is a little more constructive and maybe even aware of its own meta-ness. Mm -hmm. So I think the Animaniacs find this nice line where their meta humor isn't too obnoxious and it's more direct. Like, it's not making fun of ever. Like, there's a line where they're like, they acknowledge that meta humor has been done to death. Mm -hmm. And then Wacko's like, yeah, but it's still funny because it's only funny when we do it now. Yeah, I mean, that's that was their whole bread and butter, right? Was yes. meta humor. And it was so funny. And there were so much slapstick comedy that, you know, we enjoyed as a kid. And then as a grown up, you go back and you're like, oh, my God, this is hilarious. And they so, also like do jokes that aren't like apparently punchlines because there's right. like a because the the Animaniacs with Spielberg's reminiscing on old Groucho Marx, you know, series. Mm -hmm. like the comedy of that so it's then the joke in an episode that's not a punchline is where they're doing halloween and yakko is dressed as groucho Marx. Mm -hmm. and i'm like oh it's not even like a laugh joke it's like an appreciation like oh, i see that okay yeah like things that you know as a kid you didn't necessarily understand but now you do there was one joke as a kid that completely went past me because like they did those kinds of jokes a lot on these shows when we were kids, but there is one where dot is holding prints. 
<laughs> yeah. And I think Yakko says something like, well, did you get the fingerprints? And she looks at Prince, and they look very uncomfortable at each other. And she's like, I don't think that's an option. <laughs> and <laughs> you just don't know those kind of, like, there's no way that joke is going to, you know, hit you as a kid. No. But it's so funny when you go back and watch it. And so I'm excited to watch the new Animaniacs now as an adult who can get all of those jokes. Um, did they bring the Wheel of Morality back? Oh, no, they don't. Oh, I love I the, love Wheel, of the Wheel of Morality. Oh, but they did okay. get signed on to another season, so maybe they'll bring it. Because they it's very bare bones. It's just Animaniacs and okay. Pinky in the Brain. Okay, maybe they'll bring some of the other things back. But that also depends on contracts, because like Freakazoid was a bit that got turned into its own show. I don't know. I hope they can yeah. bring it all back, because I love, I love the Animaniacs. It was, it's well worth the watch. Good. Okay. Yes. And that is the show, everybody. <laughs> it was long, but that's because New Moon was long. And there's a lot to talk about when there's nothing happening in the movie. We have right. to fill in the blank. We're a great commentary track. The only problem is we didn't go on long enough to be completely in tune with the movie. Right. We're still not as long as the movie. This podcast episode is still shorter than New Moon's running time. And I would argue we had more content than New Moon, and it were still shorter. Yeah, we did our best. Yeah. But with that, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to tune in next week. We will be talking about Eclipse. Yes. Uh, also, announcement, we launched our YouTube page. It's still whoop, a work whoop. in progress, but all the little clips and videos that we've posted on Instagram will be there as all well. the animated shorts that you know and love already. Yes, as well as episodes. Their ep- episodes will now be going on to YouTube because sometimes it's nice to have a little visual on the YouTube. Yarp. And you, but you can obviously, we're still on Spotify, Podbeam. Bam. Apple. Bam. Google. Bam. Places. Bam. Things. Actually, if you type us up, we come up right away. Oh, really? That's exciting. That's great because SEO, like... That's the thing. I love our friends, but not all of our friends understand that if you have four different project names, it's hard to find you. That makes me feel good because I feel like some people already have like a fan base that they can rely on a little bit more. You know, you and I have been doing this from the ground up. Yeah. We've been doing this all on our own. Like literally you type in remember the aughts. We're the first one. Hell yeah. Literally we are number one. On Google, which is amazing. That's very exciting. And our... Wait a minute. Are we on Amazon? <laughs> that was the thing that I asked you about. That oh, was the thing I wasn't sure we're about. On, we're on Amazon. <laughs> are we actually on Amazon, though? Yes, we are actually on Amazon. Like, if you Google Amazon podcast, oh are we there? Oh, I don't remember putting us on Amazon. I'm leaving wait all this in. Wait a second. Hold on, everyone. Type in, type in remember the odds on Google. Breaking news. Amazon is the third. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know how to look up podcasts. I feel like such an old lady. Just type in remember the odds into Google. Remember the uh, odds with a question mark. Okay. All right. We're on Amazon. I How did we get on Amazon? Yo. <laughs> Shrek comes up first. We're on Amazon. Oh, how did we get here? We didn't allow this. We didn't say this was okay. Oh, man.
we who how don't trust Jeff Bezos and also if I end up mysteriously dead after saying that please alert the police something is fishy yeah our, our podcast is on <laughs> oh my god but also like okay so if you listen with the audible app it's free or if you listen to amazon music it's free if it's not free are they getting some sort of compensation out of this because we didn't agree to this i have no idea oh okay further development will come um don't trust amazon unless we start getting paid by amazon then thank you lord jeff bezos yeah. <laughs> if we do get paid if we get paid it's a different that story that was phenomenal I, our SEO Ooh. is our SEO is phenomenal like, I have we chills are, why? no I just I can't believe that it's like on here and we had nothing to do with it also if you do images we're the first image oh that's cool we're on another podcast website I guess because of Podbean is Himalaya. It? What the hell is Himalaya? What the fuck is that? It's another podcast website. You just don't know, man. Oh my god. Well... I googled Himalaya and the first thing that came up was the mountain range. That's my bad. That's my fault. Well... I, just, I believe you. I'll take SEO, your word for it. <laughs> you know what? The SEO is working in our favor, hopefully. That's, that's, that's incredible. <laughs> oh man yes but with that guys be sure to follow our main thing is our instagram remember the zero zero s podcast on instagram yeah if you want any new news on our content um the best place to get it first is our instagram yes but with that guys thank you so much and have a good day we you will hear this after thanksgiving but thanksgiving happy thanksgiving or glad you guys had a good thanksgiving be safe don't mm-hmm. travel mm-hmm you know, and that is it. Have a good day. Bye-bye. <laughs> we have a wonderfully small number of clues. One is this ticket. Did you see this movie about vampires and such? New Moon? Yeah, I saw it with April. Okay, I, I think I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna sit through all those zombies eating people and no hot guys kissing anybody. It's gross. Like, why are there that many zombie movies anyway? If it's supposed to like draw a parallel about leprosy, my cousin had leprosy, it's not funny, you know? And like, it's supposed to be a metaphor for consumerism, because don't be so pleased with your own like self-reverential cleverness, you know? Like, some girls like to shop.